The Forum and Workplace Inclusions 2021 podcast series is sponsored by Best Buy. The next installment of our popular Diversity Insights presentations is Wednesday, February 3rd, titled Removing the Red and Blue Divide, What it Means for Corporate America and Belonging, brings DEI practitioners and thought leaders from across America on both sides of the political aisle to discuss how we can now, amidst the divisiveness, double down and equip leaders on how to bridge the divide. For more information and to register, visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org. It's happening. The Forum's 33rd Annual Conference, Workplace Revolution, is March 8th through 12th, 2021. A forum conference like never before, the 33rd Annual Conference will be completely virtual with the same high-quality forum programming you've come to know, love, and expect. This year's annual conference is our most affordable, most accessible, and at five days long, our biggest conference ever. Register early and take advantage of reduced pricing. So join us from anywhere on March 8th through 12th, 2021 for the Forum on Workplace Inclusion 33rd Annual Conference, Workplace Revolution. Be a part of the global conversation. Be a part of the solution. Be a part of the workplace revolution. For more information, visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org 2021. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org 2021. We get to engage people, advance ideas, and ignite change because of the generous support from our community. If you find our resources meaningful or valuable, please consider supporting the forum today. Visit forumworkplaceinclusion.org donate. That's forumworkplaceinclusion.org donate. Thank you very much for your support and generosity. With that, I'd like to say thank you to all our listeners and subscribers. You help support the growth of the podcast and reach new listeners. If you like what you're hearing on the Forum Podcast, please consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you've already written a review, thank you. Please consider sharing our podcast with a friend, family member, or a colleague you think might find value in the content. Word of mouth is the best way the Forum grows, so thank you very much for listening and sharing. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thank you for tuning in for today's podcast, How a Daily Equity Practice Builds Revenue and Mitigates PR Risk Management, with Carol Burton of Radiance Resources, sponsored by Best Buy. I'm Ben Rue, Programs Associate here at the Forum on Workplace Inclusion. You might lift an eyebrow when you hear the concept of equity related to the bottom line. Does creating an inclusive workplace impact your company's return on investment and brand and footprint? The answer is yes. Now more than ever, there's a direct connection between how your people feel, engage, and perform. This shift is paramount to the growth and expectation of the organization. As workplace expectations continue to grow in this new reality, there's a need to prepare, create a safe space, and inclusive environment. A daily equity practice is a way to incorporate these expectations throughout all projects, processes, and ways of knowing. That means exploring unconscious bias, expanding self-awareness, and examining cultural competency. A daily equity practice helps leaders shift their mindset and hence their teams. By improving internal communication, return on investment, and the organization's external brand footprint for the better, we discover how to alter companies' structures, provide access for employees to share their expertise, and fully experience lasting organizational change. In this podcast, you'll learn what happens when you, when organizations apply the Bullman and Deal, reframing organizations' artistry, choice, and leadership, connecting equity to return on investment. Discover ways when helping employees build equity encourages good public relations risk management, and explore the definition and effect of creating a daily equity practice mindset. 
Carol Burton offers a different approach for professional development that provides lasting results. Carol started Radiance Resources that focuses on accountability, equity, and adapting. Carol guides mission-focused leaders to connect, engage, and mentor to create meaningful change. Carol's professional's expertise includes roles in sales and purchasing. She has worked in retail and industrial manufacturing-focused organizations. In each position, Carol took the time to understand how her role impacted others. Deeply understanding institutional structures, Carol is not afraid to tackle significant initiatives. Through her Radiance Real Talk podcast, speaking, and seminars, Carol uses her gift of storytelling. She makes every interaction personal, every encounter genuinely unique, and every conversation meaningful. Carol earned her bachelor's in human resource management from Renona State University and a master's degree in leadership studies at Augsburg University. She was the student representative commencement speaker for both graduation ceremonies. Carol, thank you so much for being here and being part of our 2021 podcast series. We're really excited to have you join us for the series, especially with all your podcast experience. Thank you. This is a fantastic opportunity, Ben. I'm really excited to be part of this conversation, especially how much life is changing and the changes that we can make in life. So thank you. Here's to change. Here's to 2021 bringing change, positive change, I hope. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's jump right in. So like, what is your definition of equity for organizations and how can equity connect to return on investment or ROI as it's more commonly known? Sure. So I've been on a journey for some time now, and I really started studying what equity is. I didn't realize how vast and deep equity plays in so many areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. And one way that I said was, you know, I found over 15 to 20 different callocations of equity, which is absolutely incredible. And I wanted to make sure to really understand the overall scope of what equity is. So I created a definition of it after much study. For me, equity is a balance of ensuring that there is a level playing field for everyone to feel. I think feel is so important in this, to feel seen, heard, and valued. It is really stepping out of being me-centered and shifting to be we-centered. So in organizations, when we think about it, we focus on the we, hence we contribute to a much to the mission and it's a much larger space, right? So that if we're focused on the message mission of an organization, it's much bigger than us. And so if we take it a little step further through being part of a we culture, each of us has an opportunity to provide real world solutions, right? Hence we can drive profit. We can look at risk management as far as PR with public relations. We can include and and change and move and possibly increase that bottom line and hence prioritize our people equally. So from an ROI perspective with the return on investment, for me, equity goes beyond the, if we have equity in the workplace, then we have ROI. I think a lot of leaders today really need to see what that looks like. How can ROI look for those who are in organizations that are responsible for the output, the actual production output? And in that, they always look at cost avoidance, right? Cost reduction or cost savings. That's one area to look. That's one way of looking at ROI as far as equity. 
The other side are those who are the creatives. They're the ones who created something from nothing. Nine times out of 10, they're given a budget. In other words, they're given an expense budget to say, go create, go design, go make this happen. Create something from nothing is what I like to call that space. And in that way, it's if they create something and it is produced, how is it going to be received to not only the group, the client, the end user, but how is it received overall? And you see, for me, that's two different ways of looking at ROI. And, and in that, if I am part of the we, I'm going to think beyond me. I'm going to think about my neighbor, my family, my friends, colleagues, both where I live, and maybe I don't even know who they are. So if we talk about, in one case, racial equity, we'll just talk about racial equity. What could that look like from those two perspectives? If we talk about employee equity, if my customer is number one, my employee should be number one, if not above that number one. For me, that is where equity and ROI play. And that gap is where we as responsible leaders of our organizations, of where we work, where we play, and where we give to the community come together in the larger and greater we. Thank you for that beautiful definition. Um, yeah, there's no I in team, <laughs> to be cliche. Yeah. And with everything happening in the world, actually, the one benefit of COVID and everything is, I think it has brought a greater we, a greater idea or emphasis Definitely. on the, well, in most of the world. <laughs> um, so why why would you say is the, is the impact of consistent equity practices essential when it, when it is leveraged in the workplace daily? I think that it has to happen daily. So in my, in my mind, I had my experience. I reported to 26 managers when I worked for someone, two, six, 26. That's a lot of people. So for me, the one thing that I found was that I had 26 managers in my professional career. And in that, I learned a lot about, from a daily perspective, how do I contribute to the bottom line? So we know that qualitative skills, how you're a leader, how you speak, communication, how you present, what your critical thinking skills are, all the things that make you do your job well, those skills are utilized every single day. My argument is if we create a daily equity practice, we are mindful of not only what we bring to the table and contribution of our gifts, skills, talents, and experiences, we can also find ways to create processes that are succinct, that may save money because we figured out ways to do it easier, simpler, quicker, and better, as well as figure out ways that ROI can be a holistic approach that it is not necessarily just the qualitative, but it is also the quantitative. My assertion is 
the qualitative skills we do every single day that we bring to the table every day in our workplace literally impacts the bottom line financially and the qualitative space every single day. So if we have gaps missing in that space, we are hence not thriving as well as the organization could, meaning we are not really completing the mission on a daily basis, whatever the mission is of the organization. So if we have, quali if we have the qualities of who we are coupled with the quantities of what that looks like, I believe that we can actually create ease, believe it or not, in the workplace with having a daily equity practice. And when we do that, not only do, does the organization make money, hence it can thrive to fulfill what? The purpose of the organization. And you have people who are trusted, who feel like they can communicate, who feel like they are in a safe environment, who then understand that their managers don't have to be micromanagers because the micromanagers understand what they do as well too. You see, so the daily equity practice fits in to all aspects of how human being can contribute in a 360 perspective. Right now, I don't think that that's really happening. When we have people who come to organizations today who feel like they come to the organization, but then who leave because of the manager, that's a gap. That's a big gap. So I'm asserting, why can't we have ROI be a 360 conversation utilizing DE&I or equity as underneath, un, as, a, as part of that vehicle for that engine to run known as your employee. And therefore, taking it even a step further, through really great professional development programming, we can do what? We can retain. Well, guess what, folks? That's a cost savings as well. It's considered a soft cost, and it's still a cost savings. And then if we have happy employees that retain, who stay there, who become your emerging leaders, guess what? Your credibility and your brand do what? They increase. Therefore, then you have people wanting to knock on your door to what? Become part of the organization, regardless if it's employee, regardless if it is a vendor, regardless if it is other organizations in your industry. That to me is the power of creating a daily equity practice. Thank you for that. And why should teams and organizations discuss equity return on investment and second PR risk management perspectives? Sure. So there's a third layer, right? So, so when you have equity in the workplace, everyone feels safe. They feel heard and valued. Fabulous. They feel like they can contribute. Great. Then when you have this whole thing called this PR, that's the public relations. They then say, it's just not the original or the start of those first meetings when in the creative process. You have people from all parts of the organization come together per se and say, what are we missing? Are there experiences out there that we're missing that we don't know? We should bring those to the table. See, that's equity. And that's also the ROI. Because if we're addressing a product 
if we're addressing an initiative, if we're addressing a project, all three have to be in play again for that 360 holistic perspective. It's gotta, it's gotta be holistic. And I don't know if that's really happening. And if it is great, how can you make it better? How can you deepen it? So that the employee as well as the end user benefit the whole purpose of the mission of the organization. Great, thank you. Now, regarding equity from an organization design lens, what is Bowman and Deal's reframing organization perspective? Sure, so Bowman and Deal uh, is, is very well known in the academic space and their theory has been around for a long time. It's organization framework as far as looking at the perspective, the perspective of organizations in four realms. The first realm is in the structural. Literally, how does the structure of an organization, how is it created and how is it maintained? The second is in the human capital. Now, some people also call it human resource. That's not human resources as the department. That's the human resource. In other words, the human beings who create the ideas, that is the capital and the resource as an investment. So you have the structural investment of how an organization is literally created. Then you've got the human capital that literally create the ideas. That's another resource, right? So then the third area is the political. The political structures is how the organization actually operates in the political spaces of how everything runs. Now that's different than structural because the structural are the bones or the foundational or the pillars. The political is how it actually operates from itself. And yes, you do have the politics in that construct as well. And then the fourth area of Bowman is the symbolic or the cultural. It's how the organization does what they do. Every single process, every single step, every single project, if you will, management wise. Also the rituals, how are people greeted? How do they interact? How do they openly communicate? That's all part of the structure and actual real rituals. What happens when someone is celebrating a birthday, the celebration of a fantastic project that launched, uh, how people, how organizations get together as far as the community, that's all part of the structures of the culture. So when you have equity and ROI with Bowman, they layer on top of each other quite well because Bowman actually creates a beautiful foundational piece for equity and ROI to consistently imbalance. When those two are not in balance, something's off in that structural space. If you look at the organization from those perspectives. So therefore Bowman and Deal can really play in how ROI can be uh, maintained, sustained and involved because of that. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah for that introduction. Um, and how do equity, ROI, and PR risk management interact as resources cr to create a daily equity practice? Yeah, so I've been really studying how the, the how that whole piece works from that, from that public relations space. And so recently, I'll just give a really interesting example of some foundational work or research work I've been doing. So um, there was a movie, there were two movies actually done back in the early 80s, in the 80s. One was called, Ar they, they were called Arthur and Dudley Moore and um, uh, Liza Minnelli were in the, were basically the two main characters. And back in 1981, the first movie, it's an American comedy. 
And it talks really about a drunken New York City billionaire who was on the brink of an arranged marriage to a wealthy heiress, but ends up falling instead in love with Eliza Minnelli um, uh, personality, who was a, a working class girl from the Queens, right, from New York. So it, it got rave reviews. It made over $95 million. But here's the funny part. They did part two, Arthur II on the Rocks in 1988, okay? So seven years later, they distributed and sent the film out. The second film only made $14.7 million at the box office. It got what we would call maybe a 10 to 13% Rotten Tomatoes rating as opposed to an 88% Rotten Tomatoes rating for the first one. I firmly believe the reason why the second one didn't do well was because the by the time that they released that second film, the American society had changed its attitude toward alcoholism. And for whatever reason, the filmed producers, directors, or distributors missed that societal shift. Isn't that fascinating? So isn't that interesting? Yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, it is very interesting that, like, because not noticing that hey people don't think alcoholism is as funny anymore right maybe we should you know adjust that yeah and so or or not even do the second film but they yeah, may have exactly. been stuck. they may have been they may have had to have to distribute it because once it's done right in it, it was it, it's hard to tell what happened right on the financial side of having to have the film be released right so it is hard to what contracts were there or whatever so it was really interesting because of that huge societal risk shift, that organization took a PR risk and didn't do well, right? So it's one of those that it, we have to keep the, the pulse. In other words, they didn't have the right people in the room, literally, or people's in the room during the time frame when they said, we've got to push this out. And if they did, and this happens a lot as well. They may have had the right people in the room, Ben, but those people didn't speak up. Yeah. We've seen that a lot in history where those folks didn't speak up. And so because of that, things fall. It's the people who don't speak up that may know more and understand than those do, that do. So there's the other thing is making sure that everybody in the room literally talks in a way that they feel comfortable speaking up, regardless if it's in front of people, email, texting, talking on the sidebar, to make sure that all voices and all divergent thinking and concerns are brought to that table as well in a succinct manner, it can happen. I was gonna to say me, it, that was the best correlation, you know what I mean, of how yeah. they tie all together. Well, and and if there were more people talking, someone probably should have said, "Let's not do this again in 2011," because that was a disaster. I think that yeah. got a 26 percent. The the remake exactly. in 2011, it's like, mm, no, no one wants this. Exactly. You know, you go. I mean, seven. Exactly. In seven years, 91 and 88, excuse me, 81, 1981 and 1988, it totally makes a big, it made a big difference. And so I'm saying, you know, as well as I, the, all the associations, all the mental health people, that work was starting to take more and more in play. And it really shifted society to say, oh my gosh, this is not funny. Yeah. This isn't funny. This is not appropriate. We do have a big issue. 
And so it's amazing of how life shifts in a very short time frame. All I'm saying is for organizations, when you have ideas, check the pulse before you send it out to make sure that it's yes. okay and have leaders not listen to the same people, have leaders and organizations listen to other people in the organization. I think a lot of times we get so in our bubbles in our various areas and divisions and, and, and you know, parts, pieces, parts of organizations that we don't leave that bubble. And sometimes we got to leave the bubble so we don't miss and lose more than what we had anticipated because we didn't have a, through, a true 360 purview look from an objective, even though it may hurt us. Oh my gosh, I've been working on this project for long and you tell me it's no longer worth it. I'm saying it may not be no longer worth the, the, what the audience that you were talking to, they may have gone, they may have moved on to something else. And how do you deal with that? And so that's the, that was that whole PR piece within the ROI, because you end up spending more than what you had anticipated, or in this case, losing a lot more from 95 million in 1981 to 14, to barely 15 million in eight years later. That's, that's amazing. That is, that is astonishing, actually. It's astonishing, yeah. Um, can you, uh, I mean, I feel like you kind of just did that, but can you give an example of PR risk management when it impacts an organization? Sure, um, uh, you know, a great way that, well, we can go on the other side, we can go on to a positive. Yeah, well, yeah, I was you know, say. yeah, we can do a positive of it is, you know, how, you know, when PR works really well, it just hits all the right notes beautifully. And I think we've seen a lot of this with COVID, right? We, we really can talk about with COVID, all the positives that have come out. We've been able to uh, organizations who have really pivoted well. I'll give you one, Simon Sinek. I'll give you I, the, the person as well as his organization. Simon sat and looked and he was said, okay, Simon Sinek, his organization, I didn't realize how big his team was to be bluntly honest. <laughs> Simon, we all know him as an amazing presenter, right? He is, the, he is an optimist. He is, he talked about, you know, start with why, right? He talked about that, the golden circle. All his work is amazing. Well, most of his work is on the road, right? He's normally talking in front of executive groups, corporate group, corporate organizations. He's talking to thousands of people in arenas. Well, COVID hits and he can't go out on a stage, let alone fly, right? When, the, when we went into lockdown in spring. So he got together with his team and it was fascinating. I actually got to see him in a seminar. That was an amazing journey of how I did that. That was cool online, of course. And he actually showed us how he was adapting. And I think this really plays well into this, if you will. What he did was, was that he said, he got the whole team together and he said, okay, we can't travel. So we can't sell the books, right? We can't sell the products like we used to because people were used to seeing him one-on-one face-to-face. So he said, huh, how can I adapt and how can I, meet people where they are. See, that's the other piece to equity as well is meeting people where they are. So they, in a circle, a virtual circle, he assigned them, each of his employees on all levels of the organization to come up with 15 ideas, 15 ideas of 
how we could deliver content. Okay, 15. So the reason why he did 15 was nine times out of 10, the first five to seven, everybody's going to have the same idea. The real work happens when you're eight to fifth from number eight down to 15, the others, right? So they said, okay. So they got all together virtually and they said, okay. He said, every single person read off what their idea was and he categorized them in red, yellow, and green. I thought of red light, yellow light, green light, game I used to play when I was a kid. And so what he did was everyone, he said, anyone that has the same idea that was just said, scratch it off. So someone would say, whatever. Oh, I had that one. He said, stop that language. It's not a competition. There's another piece of equity and ROI, right? In this story. And so every, so then they, they marked off, like everybody marked off what they had. So they had all these unique ideas. Then he did the red light, yellow light, green light. The green light was any kind of content or any kind of program or idea that the organization could initiate within two weeks. Uh, done. The yellow light was that it took a little bit of more work and it was probably three to four weeks. The red light was any program or idea that would take more than six weeks. He took those off the shelf. He said, we've got to meet people where they are right now. Okay. So in that, if you go onto his website, you will see he now has a full page of all these amazing classes with different prices points. Some of them are as are pay as what you can afford, which I think was amazing. And so that is how Simon, not only did he adapt, yeah. right? He literally met where his clients, where his people were. And that is, that is what I call a live ROI because it became a living, breathing thing for him because of how now he can interact with people from all around the world. And it was so well accepted. It blew his mind that his organization has now grown. I, I, it's crazy how so many organizations are, are adapting like that because of COVID and yeah, the successful ones are the ones who are, you know, taking this opportunity to grow. And I, I love that red light, green light or red light, yellow light, green light system. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds similar to what we did here at the forum because, you know, we've, like many companies were talking about like expanding our online presence and all these things. Yep. Yep. And it was, it was always something that, that was like a couple weeks or months down the road yep. and then yep. COVID happened. It's like, Nope, we need, what can we do? Got to do it now. What can we do in two weeks? <laughs> what can we get started now? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so for me, that is, I think, I think I look back at that scenario and that's what Simon did between August and June, excuse me, between April and June within two months, right? That's what they did. Yeah. And, and for me, I thought, what a great way to respect your people because he respected them just that much that he took their ideas and said, okay, let's go, let's go. <laughs> right. Trusted it, trusted everybody. Yeah. Everybody pitched in because they were there for the mission. Right. And look how much they learned. Look how much every single employee grew in their professional development as well as, right, as well as how they became efficient and moved their money, right, from the capital, from the ROI perspective, from the investment, and look how much he's been able to serve the world. That's huge. Massive. That's huge. Yeah. And, and how I, the world's 
been able to serve each other because they've all become part of the community. So I've had people who have done it, who actually did one of them. They found, they had to, so I've, so on the other side, the participants in some of the courses became partners. They became basically accountability partners to continue the work beyond the course that they took. Yeah. So therefore they then could continue their community building, networking, supporting each other, being accountable beyond the initial Simon Senate course that they participated in with Simon and or his people. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. And then you had mentioned being able to attend one virtually and, uh, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have had that opportunity before when he was just going exactly. around in person, which is exactly yeah, just a, such a great example. Thank you for that. Now, um, yeah, and and again, thank you for being here and for this conversation. I'm sorry yeah. to say that this has this is going to be the last question, but okay. uh, um, since you sh- uh, was that great example, can you share a couple of examples of how the Bowman and Deal reframing organization perspectives model can help create a daily? equity practice. Sure. Going back to our so, friends Bowman and Deal. <laughs> yes, our friends Bowman and Deal. So, <laughs> you know, I think that with Bowman and Deal, the great thing about how organizations can play with that with equity is really simple. When organizations, let's just take COVID. When organizations, well, you know, we go back to Simon, actually. He looked at the structure of his organization and said, how we operate is not going to work. He really did. That's the structure. Mm-hmm. And then what he did was he said, okay, I can't do this by myself. There's equity. <laughs> Not about the eye, right? He tapped into their skills. He tapped into their talents. He tapped into their experience. And most of all, he trusted his people. That's huge as a leader. And so in that, he said, if my structure of how we do business needs to be altered to thrive while we are surviving through COVID, that's a big distinction. How do I do this? He became a vulnerable leader. That's big. That's one of the things that I find with Bowman and Deal that's an advantage for leaders. So then he said, okay, I've got the structure I've got to change, but I've got the human capital, my people to change it. And then where he pulled in the political in my mind is that he said, how do we actually do this so that operationally we work well? How do I make sure everyone gets paid? How do I make sure that everyone communicates to their best You see what I'm saying? So that's all the political, that's all that topical stuff of how it actually gets done. And I said, okay, he figured that out because he used the human capital and he said, how can I shift the structure? How can I shift my mindset? See, this is all mindset shift as well. And then he said, how is this going to change the culture of my organization? How do I make sure that my people are okay mentally? 
the health and wellness? How do they make, how do I make sure my people are dealing with their children at home, are dealing with elders who may be in assisted living that I can't get to my parents, but I've got to make sure that they're taken care of plus do my job. I'm making this up, but I'm thinking a lot of that may have happened. How do I take care of my kids who are in college, in the military, in tech schools? How do I take care of my aunts and uncles? You see what I'm saying? How do I take care of all of that and still have do my job? I believe that that's all part of the culture now. And if we think from a we-centered mindset, that is how we change the structure. That is how we take care of our people. That is how we move to make sure that the operations and all the, the shifts, the, the nuances of shifts of how organizations operate and perform and live and thrive with how we make sure we keep our traditions and change our culture at the same time operate. I think that's how Bowman and Deal infuse ROI and hands down how it can infuse from a daily practice equity. In other words, you take that big picture that I just shared and you say, how do we make sure that that, we, you work backwards, right? How do you make sure that that gets down to, okay, I gotta get up this morning, I gotta take care of the kids, I gotta take care of my spouse, I gotta take care of the dogs, cats, lizards, and snakes. Mm. All right, now that I got them handled, all right, how do I do this on a daily practice? If we take the big picture, and go backwards to the every single day. That is how we create the daily practice. So we make sure that we listen. We make sure that we keep focus, that we are balanced, that we make sure that we separate the emotions from the what so, that we live in calm. We make sure that we sleep, that we eat clean and eat well as best as we can. And we talk to people that know and can hear us, that we have accountability partners. These are all the things that we can do on a daily basis, that we don't check in to browbeat our people on weekly calls that are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that we check in to simply say, how are you doing? What can I do right now? What do you need right now? And if each member on the team asks those questions and checks in there on their on their teammates as a collective, I think a lot of the um, breakdowns that we're seeing right now, they still are going to be there, but I think they'd be a little bit more manageable that we really say, do we really need to have 15 meetings in a day? Do we really do we really need to have 15 meetings in a day? Do we really? Okay, so we really don't need to have 15 minutes and 15 meetings in a day. How can we, how can we make my life easy, make your life easy, easy, make our lives easy? And a lot of that is checking in to say, how can we change the structures of how we're doing it? How can we make sure we're changing how we're listening and hearing ourselves and each other? And how can we make sure that we keep in contact in a real way? I'm, I'm just thinking of 15 meetings in a day and how awful that sounds. <laughs> I've actually heard people and I've actually heard people uh, that are on average, depending on what their responsibility is. Yeah. Between seven to 15 meetings. I've heard one person be in 19 meetings. I'm like, how can that's the, how can you even breathe? That Yeah. No. How can you even breathe? I, I, I feel like there's a, there's a, I don't want to say duality, but I get there's the I understand the need to still be connected, 
yes. than when we're separated, yes. um, which is you don't get that connection through email often. Nope. Um, nope. So I can see that I can see that. And, you know, you can't go and pop into someone's office and just ask them a question or like inter interact with them, have yeah. that interactivity with people. But yeah. yes, there's a there is a way, there has to be a way to structure it. So you still yeah. have that interactivity with yeah. people without consuming their lives yeah. and um and also being that's also very counterproductive spending exactly. a lot of time in meetings exactly. when you can and and that's also not equitable for everyone because yeah other people you know mm -hmm. there are people who have things to take care of like yeah. parents kids yeah. pets, you know it's like i can't right. be in meetings all day because now exactly. i have to right. be taking care of these things so right. a lot it's a, it's a lot it's a lot to take in and a lot it of it is um but yeah but if you do it can be very rewarding to mm -hmm. when all things considered and um executed correctly and on a daily basis mm -hmm. i think yeah very, very yeah and, and and even creating the daily equity practice itself ben real quick it doesn't have to take you know a, a three-day retreat yes now you know it you know it, it could maybe an hour and if you're if you succinct if you pull that meeting together so that it's very structured and very open for people's ideas you can actually get that done. You can actually create it in a few hours. It doesn't have to take, you know, 30 hours because that's defeating the purpose. Yeah. Yes. Especially 30 hours on a zoom meeting. <laughs> right. You know, so what I'm saying is <laughs> exactly. So what I'm saying is, is that it's really a lot about how do we bring common sense into how we structure right now? You know, how do we, you know, how do we keep it simple? Just really keep it simple. I think that's the bigger conversation about all this. And in doing so, then we, okay, got it. All right, just keep it simple. It doesn't have to be our, our, our worlds, are, our structures are so complex as it is now in organization. How can we keep it simple? And that's how you create the daily habit. You got to keep it simple. Got to be simple. Because that's how you create the habit in order to live it all the time. I was going to say, that's the million dollar question. And it sounds e easier said than done. But <laughs> done. but it can be with intent. It can be done. With intent, it can be done well. Yeah. I've seen it. It can be done and it can be done well. And then when you think you got it done well, take it to the next level. That's what equity is about. Equity is a living, breathing conversation. It is not stagnant. This is not something that goes on the bookshelf. This is a living, breathing thing that we all know. I can't think of a better way to end than that. <laughs> I do too. Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much, Carol, for that radiant conversation. If you'd like to learn more or continue the conversation, you can listen to Carol's Radiance Real Talk podcast at anchor.fm forward slash radiance dash real dash talk or contact her directly at Carol Burton at radianceresources.org. You can listen to more forum podcasts at our website, forumworkplaceinclusion.org, forecast podcast, or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Thank you again for listening, and thank you again to our sponsor, Best Buy. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening to the Forum and Workplace Inclusion podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to get updates and the latest episodes. Also, tell us what you think by reviewing our podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. For more information, visit us at forumworkplaceinclusion.org or search Workplace Forum on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you very much and have a great day. The Forum on Workplace Inclusion podcast is recorded at Augsburg University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
One of the most diverse private colleges in the Midwest, Augsburg University offers more than 50 undergraduate majors and nine graduate degrees to 3,400 students of diverse backgrounds at its campus in the vibrant center of the Twin Cities and nearby Rochester, Minnesota location. Augsburg educates students to be informed citizens, thoughtful stewards, critical thinkers, and responsible leaders. An Augsburg education is defined by excellence in the local arts and professional studies, guided by the faith and values of the Lutheran Church, and shaped by its urban and global settings. Learn more at augsburg.edu.